Welcome to this episode of Your Care, Your Rights, Your Voice. I'm Mairead Painter. I want to thank you all for being here with me today. And today we're going to focus on a subject called person-centered care. Um, I am joined here today by Camille Russell, who is the state long-term care ombudsman in Kansas. So welcome, Camille. I don't know if you want to introduce yourself and um, let our listeners know a little bit about your program and why uh, person-centered care is so important to you and how you've used this in your state as a tool for individuals in long-term care settings, as well as receiving long-term services and supports. Marie, thank you for having me. Camille Russell, Kansas State Long-Term Care Ombudsman. Um, I actually, um, in Kansas, identified I wanted to be an ombudsman many years ago when I was working for an attorney general uh, and as a director of the Abuse, Neglect, and Exploitation Unit. And from there, um, I was able to find out this wonderful frameworks that are available for person-centered thinking for the ability to provide person-centered care that's required in nursing home settings. And it's kind of my goal and been my goal and now is our program's goal to see that some of this uh, thinking and framework is used to uh, let people have the quality of life that they really are supposed to have in nursing home world. And um, so thank you for having, having me today. And I enjoy getting to talk about person-centered care and person-centered thinking any chance I get. Thank you for being here. I so appreciate it. And Camille and I have the opportunity to work together a lot. And I just thought that this was an important topic to make sure that our long-term care residents, as well as our general population was um, in tune to and understanding so that you can start thinking about this and what matters to you. As we start, Camille, why don't you talk about what, at a base, what does person-centered care mean? Well, that we have to know the person. We cannot possibly provide person-centered care without knowing the person. And in the very core basic uh, of the regulations that we have for nursing home care is under person-centered care, the definition is that that we are uh, focused on the resident, they are the locus of control, and that they have choice over their daily lives. And that is a a shift that was made more prominent uh, not all that long ago, it seems like, um, that we were supposed to shift from a medical model only of care to having that social, emotional, those pieces put in the puzzle. So what we want to do is we want to really look at what is important to an individual, just like all of us have things that are important to us. And I, I know I've heard you say it before on your or your programming, uh, Marae, that really Individuals have specific rights because they live in a nursing home, but they also have the same rights that you and I have. We have those that basic human rights and the, that life that is in our, declar- in our Declaration of Independence that says life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And pursuit of happiness is an inalienable right. It cannot be surrendered, sold, or taken away. And so that's why they really put in this language to really make everyone understand that we want to look at an individual as having that real control over their life, making choices about their life, and all aspects of their life. So the simple version uh, in Kansas and our staff, and we we continually try to tell people, is that uh, that means that when that person makes a choice, what we do is we say, how can we support that choice in uh, the best way? And so they make choices that are important to them. That is being important to people are things like relationships, 
we all, if we ask what's important to us, most of us do not say, well, that I take my blood pressure four times a day or that I, most of us don't say that first. That's true. We say, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So I, I mean, I have blood pressure issues and I have never said that. So, um, so anyway, so people say the things that are important to them are the relationships, people, and the things that to have and things to do and their activities and the rituals and routines. I think anymore, uh, Marie, do you ever lay in bed at night? Because I do. I lay in bed at night. And I think, oh, my goodness, if I were in a nursing home, I wonder if they would know that I really have to have this pillow right here or I'm uncomfortable. Exactly. Or just yeah. Little things like that. So person-centered care means we are paying attention to those individualized things and we are supporting the person's choices. And it's required under regulation. Person-centered care is a requirement. I mean, sometimes we get confused and we still think that that means it's something you do to a person, no, do you, and you know, and I think it, with all the best uh, intentions, because nurses are there and they're trained for health and safety reasons, they really are. But it, so it's a hard shift sometimes to make in our mind that uh, we do have that obligation as when they're caring for people to health and safety, absolutely have that responsibility, but in a way that allows for the person to make choice and supporting that choice the least restrictive way that they can do that. So we really work on that a lot. We, we have trainings that we're doing in Kansas and they're open to anyone. They're open to all your folks in Kentucky as well, or Kentucky. Sorry about that. Yeah, again, you, yeah. <laughs> we that? will put them on our website. Actually, if you send them to me, I'll absolutely put them on our website for residents and family members. Okay. So tell me two different aspects. If you are a resident or someone receiving long-term services and supports, how would you go about initiating um, wanting to ensure that your um, documentation and your care is provided and that they understand that you want it in a person-centered way? What would be the mechanism for you to, to signal that to your care providers? Well, I think it's fine to, to remind folks that it is your right to have that. And a care plan is one of the, the ways that you should get to do that. A care plan being person-centered is something that's supposed to happen uh, around a time that's convenient for you and the people of your choice that need to be there. And sufficient time to be able to discuss the right things that you need to have in your care plan. They are supposed to talk about all of those health and safety things and, and have you have choice in all of those things, but it's not just that. It is these other things. It's like the who is important, the who are important to you, the things that you want to make sure happen, your things you're doing, your rituals and routines, your culture, your identity, all should be built into that. And we have, we do have some trainings to help with people uh, make their own initial plans that they can take to a care plan. And um, it's okay to Talk to your ombudsman about assistance with that uh, too, as well. Ooh, I like that. I actually really like that idea of having a template that's available for residents and family members to do together for an individual to do on their own, maybe with some questions that cue them to think about, right? To have you start to think about what it means for you to receive person-centered care and what brings you quality in your best day. And to be able to go to your care plan meeting with that prepared, because we know that the care teams come prepared, right? They come prepared and what to offer you and what they can suggest as far as meeting individualized needs. But I love the idea of um, empowering individuals to bring something with them to really speak to, because we often hear that one, people don't like to have to wait for a care plan meeting. So I would encourage people not to wait if something doesn't feel right, isn't going right. Um, to reach out to either your social worker or 
charge nurse and talk to them about it and ask for a meeting. But we also hear that when you sit in front of this group of professionals who are there, people often either forget what they wanted to say or they feel a little intimidated to bring something up and they don't want to hurt people's feelings that they know are trying to work in a way um, to help them. And so they're afraid of saying something because they're going to hurt somebody's feelings, but they're all there. I'm going to tell you, I've worked on a lot of care teams and those care teams are there because they care and they want to get it right and they want to do it well. And the more we can encourage people to talk about what would help them have their best day, I think the better off the team is to be able to meet them there. Absolutely. And this is because this is not an either or. This is a both and. And those healthcare professionals are exactly that. They're professionals and they know those things. So they and they're going to come to the table with the things that they recommend would be best and, and for their health and safety. And so having something of your own that you're bringing into that, because it's kind of a new dynamic for, for in some cases for them to look at. So bringing something in and writing that everybody can have a copy of that you own that tells them that other that quality of life side of the story, because we're talking about a balance, again, quality of life um, and quality of care, both. And so it is, it is both and, it is not either or. I like that, both and. Yeah. Um, and if you were the care provider sitting on the other side of that table, what are some easy tools or uh, mechanisms we can give them to help them engage an individual or to draw out some of those quality of life points that the person might be intimidated to bring up? Well, you know, you've kind of mentioned a little bit, you you worded it very well when you say someone's best day or sort of good day or bad day. And so one of the one thing um, that we often encourage as part of the person centered um, thinking practice would be to really sit down with someone and say, hey, what does it look like when you have a good day? What makes a good day for you? And what are things that happen that make a bad day? So we can try and avoid that from happening. So that's really, and, and, and not only is that beneficial to that person living in that home, but absolutely is beneficial to the people working there. It makes their job so much easier too. And so really doing that, you get to know people that way. Um, that's one, 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 there's so many different tools and we do in some of the trainings that we do, we do provide a lot of different uh, conversation starters. It really is while we have the templates and, and I hate to say forms, we do have that to guide people because it's very helpful to have a consistent conversation that way, but it becomes just a way of having conversations with people that does let you know what is important to them and what will make them have a good day. So, and that's, it has them control over their lives, which they have a right to have. And that's interesting. I hadn't thought about asking them what would look, what would a bad day look like? right? What's your best day? And if you weren't having your best day, what would make it a bad day? Because that would also call out for care teams, um, which you didn't want to see happen in during and the day. So that's important. We find sometimes people have a hard time, like you said, they have a hard time coming up with the things they want to have happen. Sometimes it is actually easier to start with the things I don't want to have happen when you're having that conversation. So that is, it's, it's just very helpful. The other thing that we kind of encourage because we want to approach everything, we do want to approach things from a positive aspect when we can. So one thing that we encourage if you're coming into a care plan meeting is that perhaps you have all the, the folks coming in there, uh, maybe jot down one or two things that they appreciate or like or think is a strength about that resident and start your care plan meeting with 
things that you'll like and admire about that person. Because it just starts that whole meeting on a positive note. So if there are some areas of disagreement or discussion that's more difficult, um, everybody knows that they're really there for everyone's best interest and, and for, ha- for their, their quality of life, what they want to have happen for their lives. I like that. I like that as well. Good suggestions. Thank you so much. So um, a nice balance there of what to ask for if you are the individual receiving care. And then if you're a care provider, some things that you can do to extend yourself and help to meet this standard, you know, kind of thinking, why is this standard important? So for a lot of people out there, we've talked before about the Center for Medicare and Medicaid and that they produce the rules, right? So during COVID, that was one of the things that we experienced that CMS, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, that CMS makes the rules that sort of guide what happens in our long-term care settings that are licensed as nursing homes. And because of that, they adjust these rules and come out with new rules. And one of the most recent rules is called the final rule, which I think is funny because I think it's the final, final rule. They They made it an additional final. And we've talked about that a few times on here, but that final rule really, it came out in phases and it really started to look at and make the shift even pre-COVID from a medical model to a more person-centered social and emotional model in relation to the medical model. And is that where a lot of this grew out of, Camille? Oh, absolutely. It did. And I I would say it not only was there a final rule for long-term care that came out in 2017 and kind of finalized in 2019, the phases, uh, but there's also a final rule. When they change regulations around law, they do final rules. So there was a final rule that also applies to home and community-based services for like assisted livings in some states. I'm not sure how it's set up in your state, but in our state it applies. And so anyway, so sometimes there's more than one final rule. It also had person-centered language in it and much more at a higher level. The, the law really has always said most of these things. The regulation did not really define it quite as well. So they did that and they defined this um, in a better way to help folks that are really Again, the individuals that are trying to provide care and do those health and safety things help them wrap their head also around that things, um, the social emotional part is so important. And I, if I may, I want to say I, we probably saw that so, so, um, oh, I don't know. It was sad and, and, but, but, but in a large way during that isolation, I don't, I don't know I'm Connecticut, but I think it was across the country that we heard people say, if I can't see my family, if I can't have the things that are important to me, if I can't get out of my room, if I can't go to dinner with my my neighbors in this building, if I can't go to do things in the community and all of those things when they were isolated, which was for a, a, a good health and safety reason that that was being done. But when that happened, so many of them literally said, I would rather die of COVID than be restricted like this. And so that tells you how important, how important things that are important to people are, as well as the health and safety piece. In fact, we saw people who are in nursing homes vaccinate at higher levels than almost any population. And most of them told us, whether whatever their belief system was, they told us they were doing that because they believed they were going to get the things that were important to them, back to them, their their family visiting, 
being able to do all of those important things to them. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's similar here, yes. Yes, yes. And so it's really important. That's why it tells how, how imperative that it is that the staff in those nursing homes really get to know a person and what's important to that individual person. Married, I don't know what's important to you first thing in the morning. It's probably something different than me. But if we don't get it, likely we'll have a, a, a less happy day or a less... <laughs> A less productive day. (laughs) Yes. I actually had a brilliant woman who has sadly since passed away, who was my mentor. Um, So anyone who worked with me in long-term care um, will know someone named Tammy Payne. And Tammy was the uh, director of food services in the nursing home that I worked in. And I was the social worker. And I was brand new. I was green. I was 21 and really, really green. And I remember her coming in and saying, come on, you're going to, you're going to serve breakfast, lunch, whatever. And I was like, wait, I'm the social worker. And she was like, "Uh uh-huh. And you need to come serve meals and talk with residents at their table and see what they like and really work to change the environment from a facility to a home. Yes. And we would do breakfast and residents could come choose. They could choose to come down to breakfast club and they had mugs that they could bring from home. Like, you know, you have your favorite mug. You like to drink your coffee out of in the morning. Oh, yes. Residents could have a mug and we would cook breakfast to order and they would just naturally start talking about things and they could come in their pajamas because when I go downstairs and I have coffee in the morning and I make food, I'm in my pajamas. They could choose to come in their pajamas. They, it was just, it was so nice. And it was one of the best learning experiences because one of the things I learned is that they weren't being taken care of, right? It wasn't someone going in to give them care. They were used to and felt comfortable talking around a meal. Yep. And having that opportunity to just sit and converse, talk about why you liked something or didn't like something or a memory of it. And the things that came out of those conversations really developed my relationships with those residents. And I it made me laugh that I went through you know, years of schooling and all of this training. And it came down to the dietary manager being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't go interview them in their room. Just, just come talk to serve them, be here and serve their meals. And that's what you'll learn. You, you, I love that. I love it because it is, it is the, we have those light bulb moments. We really hope to help people be, have light bulb moments. And it's interesting that you said you, uh, one of your light bulb moments came probably from, you know, Tammy, a Tammy, because I have a Tammy too. In fact, Tammy Coslow is our, the trainer for person-centered thinking. We have a mentor trainer that has been worked for decades in person-centered practices and person-centered thinking. And so, and I, and I met her when I was doing transitions out of a hospital institutional setting uh, for IDD. And I could not figure out, I worked for the state then, and I could not figure out why this looks so different when some providers would come in and make a plan to go home and others, it looked so different. And I asked her one day, I said, your case managers, yourself and your case managers, they really are, there's something different about this. Tell me what it is. And I watched them do it, but I didn't realize it was like a thing. (laughs) 
that we can help the thing. baby. Everyone could be helped with, right? Yeah. And so she says, well, there's this framework, person-centered thinking. And and, and, and so fast forward Ooh. to now where, you know, she's helping doing some of this training um, using uh, the person-centered thinking from the learning community and also a framework of person-centered thinking called Charting the Life Course, which I think in Connecticut is been in some uh, in places in Connecticut, has been working in Connecticut. So maybe be familiar with. It's another person-centered framework. And actually, I'm an ambassador for Charting the Life Course, as well as Tammy is too. I'm also a, a trainer for uh, person-centered thinking, a credential trainer for that. So we really enjoy I mean, it. My goal is to help people understand, like you said, that, look, for people to have a good life and a happy, a good day, that, that human right thing is that we have to pay attention to the individualized, what is happy, you know, what is good for them to be happy. I would say I keep doing this. I didn't really, I didn't do this podcast to plug things, but thank, thank you for Go letting, for 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 letting me say. So we do. We actually have another series that we're going to introduce uh, soon within the next couple of months, and it's actually called because we're from Kansas. There's no place like home. <laughs> but oh, I like be, it. Are you going to give we, out red shoes? <laughs> yes, red shoes. Uh, it will be actually red slippers. You know, so I do. Yes, red slippers, ruby red <laughs> slippers as well. So we, um, and it'll be open. This, these are things that really are applicable to anyone, and anyone yes. can can join in, and they'll be on our website ombudsman.ks.gov and um you could the the, the the sign up is there for to register for these they're free they are zoom they are a little bit interactive so prepare that at some point you would go out into a breakout session and you actually get to practice something that's been talked about which is helpful to then go apply it it's literally we have people that are from APS we have people from our survey team we have people from um, uh, providers of all kinds we have residents family members that you know take part ombudsmen that have taken part in that training so some people from um, our just, team just, just I know think that way yeah and I know some people from our team have and that we're having our team is receiving a training later this summer from Camille and her team just to help refocus. And I, I truly believe so many people will say, Oh no, I've, I know about person-centered training. I know about person first, right. Uh-huh. Thinking, And it's one thing to know it, right. Like I've right. taken right. courses, I've read about it, but I believe that it's something you need to practice and repractice and that there's always ways to reframe and use the technique in a different way. And so having you all come and work with me and my team and what we learn from each other, I think can really benefit the individuals that we serve. And maybe we even look for some resident councils to sign up um, as resident councils. I know, so we have our annual voices forum coming up. This is something we always talk about at Voices as well sort of how to empower residents to receive the highest quality of care. And this is just one more tool that they can have and use as they're working in that direction. That's really what it's about is, is them as them having that information they share with those that are helping to support them. This is how I need to be supported. This is how my needs need to be met. This is my preferences and how that happens. Um, and so people will have, when you walk into a, when you walk in somewhere, I tell places when I come in, I said, if I leave and I'm calling this a facility, you have some work to do in person-centered care. Mm-hmm. If I'm calling it a home, then that's a field. That's part of our series and there's no place as home. It's like, it's not really an address. It is it's what, how you feel. You feel at home in certain places and not at home in others. 
And I know when we've talked to residents, we have a culture change program that has been around for a long time in Kansas. And we did some interviews to help them with their their uh, measuring their outcomes. And I remember one gentleman who said one time, he says, I've been in four different places. And this is the only one that made it made it feel like a home. I'm not, I hope to never leave here. And I said, can you tell me what it is that made this feel like a home? And he said, I'm the boss here. I'm the boss of me. Well, that's- I like that. I'm the boss of me. Centered care. It's person-centered care. So- I'm the boss of me. I like that. Well, for me, when I'm in a nursing home, one of the things that helps me sort of see whether or not I think they're person-centered and you know, they can say that, but when you're really looking at where their mind might be and how they're working, I when I look at charting and I see how they document about a person, if I see the words refused or yes. combative or yes. language like that, when I really think, and I would usually message back, what I would prefer to see is the resident chose not to receive their medication at this time, we approached and asked, when when would you like to receive the medication? And if they're able to, they should do it when the resident is directing. If not, they should contact the medical provider and ask them to talk about the res- talk with the resident to see if there's a better time of day for them to take it or what that looks like for them or why they didn't want to take it then, why they want to take it at a different time. And the same thing about being combative, right? No, resident was having a difficult time. Resident was upset. I get upset. My children will tell you I get upset. I get upset and I can be difficult. I don't know that anyone calls me combative. They might say that I'm being a little nutty at the time, but you know, I'm 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 having a moment. I'm not happy and using words about how I feel about myself or asking the person, like, how are you feeling right now? And documenting what they say versus projecting our interpretation. That that is so on target that's just spot on so words matter sorry and everybody knows finn my uh counterpart here finn you will hear in the background but yes sorry go ahead a partner i know yes partner finn i sent him to i sent him to daycare i have one too Uh, (laughs) doggy daycare Um, so yes words matter please continue no words words absolutely do matter and what you're saying you see that in the charting you you do and then one that i i wanted to tell you too we also say that People are not difficult. They have are having difficulty. Oh, and, like and so that's one thing that we do. But I also talk to folks about it's like, well, you know, the final rule talks about people having choice. So it kind of concerns me when I see non-compliant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I don't know how a person who has a right to have choice can possibly be non-compliant. Again, they just chose to enact their resident right of choice about something that they to the way that you know, agree you want with. To yeah. Do. yeah. Yes, they're right to choose that. So, well, um, yeah. and what you just said about difficulty. So, for me, if I had maybe a memory care component to my diagnosis, right? And I was feeling challenged by some things that I was facing because of the changes I was experiencing in my memory, that might feel very different for me and might be very difficult and challenging. I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm facing something that is very difficult for me and it's different and scary. And my response to 
the life changes that I'm experiencing are causing a reaction from me. All behavior is communication. Mm-hmm. And so that is one thing. And those are some tools that, you know, can be looked at. It's like, you know, when, when this happens, you know, it, it, it's for a cause, you know, there's all way, different ways to do it, but we have some pretty simple ways. And, and what is nice is that when you are really looking at that, you are really, in, you've got to involve that person if they're not telling you. And sometimes, sometimes they can't tell you in words, but certainly when you, when you look at what has happened multiple times, you start seeing something. I know I had one gentleman and it was actually a, a case where they had tried to in, discharge this person involuntary discharge and I looked at every single incident where he had been something that happened and in in every single incident he was trying to get a drink of water with ice in it everyone whether it was his room in the hallway or at the in the dining room and I'm like I I think we might be honest something here so Anyway, he wants a drink of water too, maybe. Yeah. He probably does. Uh, but yeah, usually you're right. It's communication. They're trying to to say something, to communicate something, and it's in, or pain, tired, yes. bored, and yes. you know, all of those things are kind of getting down to the root cause of the what we see as a behavior, right? Whatever the outward sign. We call them behaviors, but sometimes it's just a forward-facing sign or signal that something is not right. Something's not going the way I want it to go. It's just communication. And if someone has uh, dementia of some type, oftentimes they're just not able to verbally communicate it. And, and so that is their communication. That is their form of communication. And it's up to us to figure out what that means. Um, and sometimes we don't get it right the first time. So we listen sometimes with our eyes and then we ask and, or, and then we try and act upon it. And if it doesn't work out, we, we try again. We watch again and we try and figure out again and we just keep doing that and things change too. So people have a right to change their minds then people also, their minds change. And without their, without sometimes their consent, quite frankly, and unfortunately. And so, you know, that's the job. That is the job that, um, that is a hard job. It's a much appreciated job for caretakers and the, the, all of the staff in a nursing home, all the different aspects of the nursing home, because for quality of life, every single person that works there is important. And so it's really important that they all recognize this person-centered piece of it, that, you know, we have to know the person to really do that. You're right. They all, everyone says, oh, I'm person-centered. And even ombudsman, as an ombudsman, I'm like, oh, I've got this. I know. But you know what? We learn things new every single day. Every time I walk into a nursing home, I learn something new, a different approach. I learn from the staff. I learn from the residents just watching. I think there's ways we can always progress in our learning. I would say, for individuals out there, if you are going to a care plan meeting and you have a lot of these things that you want to discuss, one of the things we've heard recently is that um, the care plan meeting is for residents, responsible parties, and care team members. And we've had a coach back that, no, in fact, it is for anyone the resident feels is important to their care and planning. Yep. And that we often hear that they're 15 minutes and so right. if you feel, because I know I could not talk about my best day in 15 minutes and, and how I want my day to go, that let them know ahead of time, you know what, this is who I feel is important to come to this meeting. And I think it's going to be more than 15 minutes and maybe give them an approximate length of time and ask them to schedule it because it's supposed to be at your convenience. 
right? So they can give you a time that works. They can give you a time that initially, right, to engage you, a time that they're suggesting. But you can always say, you know what, that's not going to work for me or someone else that I feel is important to have there. You can have them in your room. Often they're um, held in a lounge or in the dining room. You can ask to have it be held in your room if you're more comfortable there or really anywhere you're comfortable in the nursing home. So having those people there and for if you have a group of residents or you don't feel that this is something that's going maybe as well as you would hope or what we're talking about doesn't resonate with you as something that's happening in your nursing home, I would strongly suggest bringing it up as a resident council and maybe going through the training as a resident council or with the staff development person Mm -hmm. and asking for them to do training in the building and to meet with you. Um, Any other suggestions there, Camille? Well, resident council by far is one of the most powerful, you know, things. And ombudsmen are happy to help with technical assistance with the resident council. So, you know, you can reach out to the ombudsman program for some help about how that would look for your resident council. And certainly we encourage, you know, like I said, we we, we encourage you to participate in anything that we offer is fine. Uh, we do that for across the country, uh, uh, virtually, virtually across the country. Virtually. <laughs> virtually yeah, we will, we the will country. put that up on our website. We also have a, a new group that's gaining in um, strength and um, initiative, which is our statewide family council. And so um, I would encourage them, right, any family member to, um, or maybe the statewide family council can do it as um, one of their trainings that they have just to help them understand. Sometimes we have family members that have a different idea of how they see their loved one's best day with very good intentions. With very good intentions. But the nursing (laughs) homes responding to the individual's idea of how they see their best day. And that can be challenging at times when you have people who are coming from a good place, but see the best day in two different ways. Absolutely. And that does happen. And and so there actually are some ways to have that. Sometimes it's helpful to have that family member fill out what they think and the resident to fill out what they think, because sometimes it's easier to have a conversation that they can both look at where they agree on paper and Ooh. then where they disagree and have that discussion of why, why that's important to like mom, that. dad, loved one, friend, whatever, uh, because ultimately it is their choice and their right. But help that family member, because it usually is with very good intentions that they are wanting those things that are po- sometimes in conflict with what the person wants. Yeah, sometimes it's a little different. And here, I know in Connecticut, we have something called a power of attorney. Uh And so sometimes we'll hear the nursing home say, well, the power of attorney said, (laughs) and we have to message back that that's great that they have a power of attorney, but the resident is still the person you take direction from. You can update the power of attorney as appropriate or unless the resident is unable to. And then that person has the authority that was given to them through the power of attorney. But other than that, they need to listen to the direction and eat, and not only listen. So you said it a minute ago with your eyes. So sometimes residents tell us things um, about what they want and don't want through their actions and not necessarily through their voice. So the family member might say, it's really important that my loved one gets their medication every day. But when you go to give them their medication, the resident covers their mouth, right? With their hand. Um, You can't take their hand down and force the medication. They're telling you through their actions that they don't want that medication. That I find is one of the areas that family and friends have a very difficult time because they want that person to get better. 
or to have their best day and they feel they'll have the best day if they have all of their medications. And that is an area where we find the nursing homes often get caught in the middle and they have the hardest time. That, that's sort of the pinch point around medications or treatments or I want my loved one to go to recreation every day. Yes. You can't let them stay in their room. Ooh, Get that's them a up at one. eight o'clock. Yes, that's a tough one. They have to be up for breakfast. Get them up at eight o'clock. It's true. Um, and, and so we oftentimes, we have that same struggle and we have to have those same conversations. And so it's really, it's really good to just have to keep reminding because it's hard. We, and, you know, we appreciate families that advocate for their loved ones and loved ones sometimes do not want to disappoint their family members. So we always say, and actually it's part of the person-centered thinking framework, is you always say, if someone says one thing, but their actions say something else, really pay attention to those actions. Yeah. Really, you right. know, and if you can, ask, find out why. Because why? generally their actions are the valid thing that you need to watch. Just like, sure, I'll take my medications. I want to make... I want to make someone happy, but you're right. When it comes time and they turn their head away and have their lips closed, that's pretty much no. Well, this has been an incredible conversation, and I just want to really thank you, Camille, for joining me on Your Care, Your Rights, Your Voice today and just how important it is for people to feel like they continue to have that voice no matter what setting they're in while they're receiving their long-term services and supports and for all of the work that you're doing in Kansas and to help people um, across the country. So thank you. Just if you want to give your email address again slowly so people can grab it um, or a way to get information from you. If you want to go to our website at ombudsman.ks.gov, there is a way to register for any of our trainings on that front page. There also is a contact link uh, contact us link that would let you email or call myself, our state office, our special projects ombudsman, our trainer coordinator, or any of our regional ombudsmen. So that's all available there. Thank you. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. This is Maureen Painter. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Your Care, Your Rights, Your Voice. Please continue to listen wherever you get your podcasts.